This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes! It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. about it and I was angry at Rob Manfred and I was angry at everybody but now the Phillies just split with the Yankees Jack I know that it shouldn't be the goal to to split but and and we'll get to every game here and and we all know how frustrating a couple of the, the the two losses were but it finally feels like baseball's back after that ridiculous back and then hiatus and and all that crap I mean, it, it it definitely is, uh, and, and taking taking two or three from the Yankees, just, or taking or splitting with the Yankees is just sweet. Because um, honestly, like I I walked into this series and I was like, oh, they're just gonna get their doors <laughs> doors blown off. Um, and well, especially when when game one was was basically a, an automatic loss. I mean, was there a person on the planet who thought that? after being off for over a week and then going into Yankee Stadium to face Garrett Cole, the Phillies were going to win that game. Like, in reality, I know what you mean when you inadvertently said they took two or three, because they kind of did. It felt like the first game was just like, they have no chance to win that game no matter what. I mean, I like that I like that. that's how we're spinning it, that game one. I, I, it's exactly how I'm spinning it. Yeah, game oh, yeah. one was uh, didn't even actually count towards the, the, <laughs> the rest of the season. What happened. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that's totally fair. Um, but you know, because if people have been so down on this team, and you know, and, and for for right reasons, I mean, the bullpen has been awful to watch, and uh, the star rotation has been okay. the The offense has been definitely up and down. Um, and it kind of, and it kind of feels like the, the talk around the team is kind of, uh, you know, one foot in, one foot out with with this Phillies team, and. You know, and this is what they did all last year, and that's what they did under Kapler in in eighteen. Is like they would play, play like crap against terrible teams like the Marlins, and then they show up and be pretty good against against the teams that are actually good in baseball. So uh, I'm actually I'm, I'm not surprised at all that they split. Like it, I actually thought they were going to split this whole time, um, and the the fact that they did it was was crazy. The fact that um, Eflin went five tonight, and they were able to get four innings from the bullpen. Is crazy, and they were I mean, able to actually. It's a miracle. It's a it's a true miracle, Jack. And and let the scorebook show that Nick Pavetta held the lead. Um, you know, there's gonna <laughs> a lot of 
<laughs> that inning was so clean, too. And look, we'll get into every single one of these games and, and die. I, I texted Jack, we're going to try and stay under two hours. I have so many notes, and it's also late at night. But I have so many things I want to get into. I mean, I think they I think they made these six o'clock starts just for you. I mean, it's only nine forty five. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. Uh, you know me. I'm I'm always bitching about how late it is. So it is what it is. I have to get up earlier than you. Your show's in the afternoon. Mine's in the morning. You know, it is what it is. I mean, why don't you break here? Come on, why don't you bring up that you have a twenty month year old? I, get, I, I also have a twenty month old who wakes up every morning at six at the latest, and it is what it is. And she's a great sleeper. So shout out to Zoe. But um, I, look, I I think the of of it's funny because if we had done this pod yesterday or last night or whatever, like the predominant thing we would have talked about was the bullpen, and now we come into this one where, and again, the bullpen is horrendous and soul crushing. But we come in after this one where they actually found a way to hold down the lead. It is a, uh, it, it's it's nice. It makes it a little softer for me, Jack. Well, listen, I'll say this. I feel really confident. Now, you are allowed to play this back if this backfires, but... Uh-oh. At this, oh, God. Don't put it in your bio. At this exact moment on August 6th, 945. 945, yes. On August 6th. I think Jose Alvarez and Hector Neris are locked down. If, <laughs> if, you, if you get the ball, if you get the ball to Hector Neris and Jose Alvarez in the 8th and ninth inning... You're gonna win most games that you're in. <laughs> it's a great point, Jack. and I'm just and this is coming from a guy who was like mere seconds away from maybe taking the Yankees live because I've seen this play's bullpen. But you know what? <laughs> that little that little thing in the back of my head was like Alvarez Tenaris. Like that's <laughs> find me find me a more lockdown eight it's nine like, inning. It's like Madsen to Lidge oh eight. I mean, right? More or less. More, more or less, or sometimes more. I will say that that Naris judge at bat was, and I know Hector scared us a little bit in the ninth, but that that judge at bat was was big time. And I know the judge was coming off the bench and cold and all that, but that was a big time at bat for Hector. Like that was, he went right after him. The splitter was just working, and Judge Judge had no chance. Like that was a really impressive moment. One of the more impressive moments in the Hector Neris era. Is that fair to say? Oh, I love it. I love it. Anytime we can talk about <laughs> impressive Hector Neris uh, moments. I mean, yeah. Here's the thing: is that he's so far and away their only good right-handed option out of the bullpen that, like. That like you're you're gonna that that's why that's why I never agreed with with using him in game two yesterday because you know sure it could be a tie game in the seventh and uh, you would like to go to Hector Neris but again that takes him out of out of tonight's game where you actually totally. have a lead like and that, and that's that's why I just didn't like the idea of using him there you know it's a, it's, a, it's a tie game I understand it's only seven innings I understand you have to take uh, wins when you can try to get them and you know it's a little surprising that the the, the Phillies were able to be ahead in in the game tonight um, but that's why you don't use him last night that's why you, you save him for tonight you had to get you had to use Hector Neris for four outs and if you use him in game two yesterday the tie ball game then you don't you don't get the chance to use him and and Hector you know he is he, Hector Neris is good 
And he's good. He's just good. You know, and that's splitter. He's just a good pitcher, man. He's just a good pitcher. A lot of people a lot of people talk about this might seem like a pretty rash comparison, but a lot of people talk about Mariano Rivera dominating with one pitch. <laughs> is it fair to say that Hector Neris is the new Mariano Rivera? How am I supposed to respond to that? Uh, all right. Let, let, I can't. You all right? Gonna leave, yeah, I'm going to leave that. Real quick, shout out to Emily who just walked me down a beer open and ready to go. So uh, so, so I have some. Yes. Some, and listen, Emily, I love you. And, yeah, what were you gonna say? Uh, I never listened to the. I never lie to the high hopes listeners. I listen to the high hopes listeners. We all know that. I've only had White Claw this week. Um, oh, Jack! I know it's it's one. I of mean, the mo- look, you're not. I'm. There will be people who will, especially because of you know what you've put out there before. This this will come back on you, but. Who are you talking to? I mean, what's my last name? I won't get on you for this. I, I support all seltzer love anywhere all the time. So And that's exactly right. Uh, I just love seltzer so much that I decided to <laughs> cut that audio as we would say on radio. <laughs> no, so so I haven't really had much beer this week. Um I've been I've been mixing in more uh more seltzers, uh mostly because of my my love of the Iowa's podcast and seltzer myself. But, you know, uh you know, not not don't feel too heavy after drinking uh drinking some hard seltzer so <laughs> i have been watching the phillies this week with uh, with a couple hard seltzers and and i think that's fine um i will get back to especially the... in summertime like it, it is it's refreshing and like you said it's lighter i think that's very fair i i i, I ain't coming for you the more seltzer the better I want everyone to love seltzer, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I uh, I just admitted it to everyone out there. I watched the Phillies this game this week um, with some with some seltzers. So um, if that is skewing my way of thinking, uh, blame it on the seltzer, and don't blame it on uh, my irrational <laughs> irrational belief in everyone on this Phillies roster. Blame blame seltzer for nothing. All right, let's uh, let's let's go back and we'll we'll do a little chronological stuff. We already agreed that that the first game in the series didn't happen. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before we go too far back, did you like the, <laughs> yes. before before we go too far back, did did yes. you think that Luke did you think that Luke Voigt fall was out? Yeah, oh my God, did I of course I did. Yeah. Dude, I thought it was, it was like my, four rows deep. Yeah. My heart stopped. Yeah. yeah. Especially because yeah. it's Luke Voigt and literally we would have won the game yesterday if it weren't for Luke Voigt and the one bad pitch Nola threw. But we'll get back to that. Let, real quick, we're we're gonna act like I'm, I don't know what I'm saying. Not act like that game didn't happen. But I think the IOPS listeners would like, like to know what you thought of Jake Arrieta. Had he pitched in a game in New York on Monday night, if that had happened, what do you think Jake Arrieta would have looked like? Well, again, uh, this is only if it did happen. But as we all know, it's called commitment. Monday- it's called commitment, right here, folks. This is commitment. Monday night did not happen, but I will say, had he have thrown the fourth through <laughs> the fourth through sixth, I inning, almost just had beer go through my nose right there. <laughs> the fourth through sixth inning were the best I theoretically would have ever felt about Jake Arrieta. <laughs> I uh, I've pretty much hated every single Jake Arrieta experience of my life as as a Phillies fan outside of like honestly like the Jake Arrieta experience has been 
the Bob Nightingale tweet of the Phillies are closest. <laughs> <laughs> the Phillies are closest signing Jay Carrietta, me being like excited about it, and then two years of freaking torture and how much I hate him and throwing my teammates <laughs> under the bus and that one pirate start in 2018 where That's I was like, That's what I was gonna say. I was so happy you said that because I, I, my one counter to this was the pirate start and and the Boston game. But particularly that pirate start was the only time in a Phillies uniform that he looked anything like the guy who they signed, twenty fifteen, Jake Arrieta. Uh yeah. And like he's he's our, he's pretty much on my Babin list, you know, of of guys that I hate that are on my team that play here and unfortunately make a lot of money. He's not likable, Jack. I'll say that. He's not likable. Now with that being said, his theoretical start on Monday night. Uh, started off horribly. I mean, the first, like, 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 literally. Yeah, you can't start off worse. Literally oh yeah. Well, DJ LeMahieu and should I? Do you want? Do you want to take right off the bat, or should I save it for later? Is it that any of the thirty fan bases in Major League Baseball should pray that their team had DJ LeMahieu on him because he is a very good baseball player who is super annoying to play against every time you play him? Is that the take? Uh, it is DJ LeMahieu related, but it's not that take. Okay, give me your give me your take, because that's my take. Okay, well, DJ LeMahieu is what Yankees fans think Derek Jeter was. <laughs> better take. That was a better take. What a take. I, I hate DJ LeMahieu. Like, 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 DJ LeMahieu. I mean, look, that at bat he had against Neris tonight was like, like, Neris had two splitters in that at bat that was like, no one on the planet fouls off. And... Uh, uh, five guys on the planet, and TJ LeMahieu found a way to foul it off and, and then work work bingo. Like, I, I just... Anyway, keep going. Well, I mean, that, you know, my guy, Theo Epstein, that fraud, uh, decided <laughs> he, he wasn't good enough for the Cubs. Uh, but isn't, isn't the worst thing about DJ LeMahieu is that he's like a little, like, slap hitter to the right side? Like, he is, like... Totally. <laughs> I, feel like I feel like 97% of DJ LeMahieu hits are to the opposite field. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, and he just he just he, he just wears out everyone he faces. DJ LeMahieu, he's the worst. But um, with that being said, I'll I'll take him. Um, but yeah, so so the first three innings of Arietta's fake start on Monday night that doesn't count was like awful because he kept missing middle middle. Like he kept just leaking over the middle of the plate, and like he just didn't really know where the ball was going. And he would try to start a ball outside corner, it would just end up right over the middle of the plate, and. You know, like Gio Rochella just was <laughs> squaring it up. Um, and, I mean, Judge hit the ball down the line that Segura should have had. Um, should have had. He should have had it. Well, it didn't happen. but uh, I, I know. I know. If if that game had happened, he should have had it, and it would have been 2-1 to one in that theoretical game, which, you know, mentality-wise is, is a different thing. Not that, you know, it would have mattered if, I don't know, say Dillas Garrett came into the game later. But, you know, it, that shouldn't have been a run. That's all I'm saying. Correct. And, um, yeah, so then – but then after that, I mean, it, it turned into legit darts at, at 94. And and it, it and movement. And, like, the ball was moving. It was like – that's when – it feels like when Arietta's on, like, it really – he is one of those guys who you could just see the ball dancing, and it felt like it was dancing there. 
it was dancing and he he finally looked comfortable it looked like he was finally just letting loose and you know it makes sense i mean that was his first start since august of last year it literally been, it li- had literally crazy it been it been a calendar year since the last time that jake arietta towed the rubber and and he's coming off of a bone spur surgery it was his first time really really back on the mound and the guy the guy that we theoretically saw in the last three innings was a guy that like can can actually help this ball club do i think do i trust him no i don't trust him uh am i am i trying to get people's hopes up about jake arieta no i'm not um i would never <laughs> want to ever leave any lead anyone down that path ever but uh, you know there's there's positives they to, to take away from and i thought he was really finishing over his front side and i just thought the ball was i mean now, now james i don't know if you noticed or if Maybe the whole baseball world know this, but he struck out four straight guys, and he even attempted <laughs> he attempted to miss some bats, which I wasn't sure that Jake Arrieta knew how to do, Maybe. but he did it, and he he missed he missed some bats there late in the game, and like I just I, I'm I'm hoping and I'm praying that it maybe unlocks something and maybe we can get an ERA in the freaking threes from Jake Arrieta. I mean, that would be glorious. Um, but, you know, there, I think there's more signs of hope than than not after his last three innings, and hopefully that can kind of jumpstart him and, and get him moving in the right direction. Yeah, man. It felt like, uh, you know, coming into the season, we kind of joked. We all knew Velasquez was the the starter that we felt the least confidence in, or at least most of us. But um, it definitely was one of those things where we kind of joke, be like Arietta or Velasquez, they both stink. I feel a lot more confident in Jake Arietta than I do in Vince Velasquez. I mean, there's no question now. Arietta looked really solid, man. Like he settled in, and I agree, I'm not trusting him at all. I'm just not, but I was impressed with what I saw, especially considering, like you said, how long it's been since he's thrown a pitch in a major league baseball game. And the fact that it was in New York against a really good lineup, you know, so I'm, I'm super, super, super cautiously optimistic. All right. Now I think quickly, you're welcome to the audience. We will actually talk about things that actually happen instead of this weird hypothetical world that we were living in let's move Correct. on to the doubleheader jack <laughs> that actually we, happened uh can we have pretend to? the second game didn't happen i mean i right. i wish i wish the first game didn't happen i mean i mean obviously I well here's the thing if the first game didn't happen the way it did the second game didn't have to happen the way it did so let's start with the first one um let's start at the top with wheeler uh, you know i Started out a little rough, settled in, ended up giving him a, a quality start for all intents and purposes. What did you think of what you saw from Wheeler? Because I know after that first start, you know, we were positive about it, but you you did kind of point out that there, if it weren't the Marlins, maybe it would not have been quite as impressive a start. And I think we saw some of that against the Yankees early on. What did you think of Wheeler? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, I actually, I, I was, I'm way more positive about Wheeler after the Yankee start than I am the Marlins start. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, because I think that I think that we see the I think that we see the path for Wheeler, um, and I, I thought I thought what made him so good is he wasn't he wasn't uh, I'm not gonna say he was flying open uh, mechanically against against the Marlins. Like obviously his stuff was still really good, but I didn't think he was in the zone enough. Um, like I thought it was uh, a pretty good fastball with decent location, and then a curveball that didn't stand a chance, uh, and then a pretty good sinker. 
Um, but what I saw against the Yankees was just a lot more consistency, a lot more time spent in the zone, um, a lot more pitches in the zone. And really, I think what we're going to learn from Wheeler is that if his front side stays closed, the longer the better um and i thought during i thought during the the yankees start he kept that front side closed and i think it really helped him um with deception on his fastball on his sinker um you know i i guess i obviously we didn't watch wheeler as close as we as we are now but i didn't anticipate us getting a a, a ground ball double play machine guy me either man i did you see that it was a stat like uh he's like one of like three pitchers in the last Three Phillies pitchers in the last thirty years who had back to back starts with with three double plays, uh, three ground ball double plays in it, or something like that. Yeah, so well, sp- like I think that. I think it was a Spader. Spader tweeted that out. Cause... I think it was. And I, by the way, shout out to our boy Ryan Spader because I have a, a fun Ryan Spader stat to bring up later. So get ready for that. Nice. Uh, yeah, because I think I told the... you I prepared tonight, Jack. I got a lot. I got a lot going. Good. Uh, the last guy I think was Padilla. Um, and that was back in like oh three. So, uh, yeah, you you think you're getting a, a big strikeout guy in Zach Wheeler? And listen, if he wants to be a ground ball double play guy that they can still throw ninety seven, ninety eight, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I just think I think with him it's going to be about keeping that front side closed as long as possible, then firing late. Um, and when he when he's opening up earlier, he's he, his front side's firing a little bit early. I think that's when you'll see his curveball. And his slider not really being competitive pitcher pitches, but what I saw against the Yankees um, was a guy who 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 whose pitches were in the zone longer than they were against the Marlins, and he pitched really really. You know, if if Segura is not at shortstop and Didi's at shortstop, he has a better outing than than um, what he had, and he probably gets to throw a complete game instead of getting pulled. Um, and no, I don't think a complete game is really seven innings, and I think mm-hmm. I think don't seven worry. innings is a joke. I have a, I have a, I have a take for you later. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure where I'm sure where that's going. Um, I but have yeah, a take no, for you. I, uh, I I do love. Uh, I really like what I saw from Wheeler, and I think we'll as long as he keeps that front side closed as long as possible. Um, I think we're gonna see a, see a good pitcher here. All right. So in a second, I want to get into the obvious main thing we need to talk about from the doubleheader as a whole Girardi the bullpen but let's get Noel out of the way quickly because we're talking about Wheeler let's talk Noel and then we'll get into all the kind of more macro stuff but I don't know about you Jack that's the best Aaron Noel I've seen since 2018 like wow wow man like he was so impressive again against a really good Yankees lineup. I mean, look, the the numbers speak for themselves, the 6 innings, the 12 strikeouts. But it was even better it felt like than than the stats showed and literally I honestly feel in in really watching every single pitch of of Nola's start, he made one bad pitch. One bad pitch the entire time he was out there and and Luke Voigt took advantage of it. And I think we all hate Luke Voigt, period. But um, am I am I overreacting to what we saw from Nola, or is that kind of how you felt too? Well, I don't know, but you and I have both seen a lot of right-handed home runs as his Bank Park history. Was that the furthest it home run It was up seen? there. I, so I, Mike Stanton, back when he was Mike Stanton, that's why I say it, with the Marlins, like there was a – maybe it was Giancarlo time, but – he hit a homer 
that went up into Ashburn Alley that I'll never forget. And he had another one that hit the upper, like the the facade of the upper deck and felt like if the 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 deck had not been there, it would have kept going forever. And it got out in like a half a second. So I feel like other than Mike Stanton or Giancarlo Stanton, yes, I think that Luke Voigt home run is maybe the longest, most, majestic right-handed home run we've seen there it's up there because i'm pretty sure he hit it off the scoreboard like it, it hit off the scoreboard and bounced down and i don't know like i just <laughs> I, I like worth hit a homer off of samarja that i thought was the furthest i had seen um and the void homer i think was was right there with it um I but mean, yeah it so- was such a tank it was one of those where like you just the moment the bat touched the ball, you knew it was going forever. Like, it was such a no-doubt. Uh, but, no, I am – yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, it, it's my new Boston start. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about the Nola yeah, start versus the Yankees. It's yeah. um, a great point. I, I don't yeah, – so Hold up. Can we just say that Aaron Nola owns the AL East? Is that just uh, – I mean, right? Yeah, I, mean, it's, I think that's a, the most fair thing you've said on this podcast. Aaron Nola, <laughs> death taxes and Aaron Nola versus the AL East. Um, Is it more fair than Hector Neris' Mariano Rivera? Or, excuse me, better than Mariano Rivera? What's more fair? I don't know. I mean, both are one-pitch guys that dominate uh, other teams of the AL East. So, who's to say? Um, but, uh, yeah, Nola, yeah. Like, because cause I didn't want to get too excited about him until he got through the sixth, you know, because he, he, he's been even in, in petering out. He's been petering out. Right. right. Even, in, even in 19, he would have a really, really good four or five innings and everyone would be like, oh, Aaron Nola's back. And then he would, you know, crap the bed and uh, probably blow a game against the Braves and we'd be furious and whatever that happened in the sixth inning. But he, he just powered right through it. Um, and again, I mean – I think I saw the stat today. Uh, first start against the Marlins, he threw 53% fastballs. Um, and against the Yankees last night, he threw 67%. And as I said in the last podcast, like everything that comes, every, everything with Aaron Ola comes back to the fastball. If he's locating the fastball, everything's fine. You know, if he, if he can put that fastball where he needs to put it and he can work his curveball and, and change up off of that, like everything just works better for Nola. And he had his fastball location last night. He was feeling it. Uh, and, and you saw how that worked off his off speed. I actually almost, I feel like he was almost tunneling his, his, his curveball and his changeup, which is kind of like next level stuff. But um, yeah, and, you know, I, I just think that, I think Brian Price has just made a really, really big difference um, in, in, in these guys. And it's, it's early. And I know the bullpen looks like crap, but the starting rotation looks pretty good. I mean, they haven't really blown up. You know, I thought Eflin yeah, was really Velasquez. good. Velasquez, Velasquez is the only one. Yeah, and That's and it. even even Velasquez, the only I, bad start. I know, and even and even Velasquez, and I get that it was it, it wasn't great. He had the one bad inning. <laughs> I, can't wait, I, know, I can't wait to I can't wait to hear this guy. But he had he had the one bad inning, and then he calmed down, and 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 he I had think, the one good inning. The first inning was good, and then he had the bad inning, and then he like pseudo calmed down. But he he, he did. Mm, but I, I still think I think it was a mistake. Felt to like the him. old Vinny. Felt like the old. Vinny. I understand. I understand. I understand. I get it. I got it. But I'm just saying, 
I would have put him back out there, not gone to the pen that early. But whatever, that's the Marlins game a, a decade ago. I, it was it was at least ten years ago, right? Um, but I, I just I think that you know Price has kind of got them back to where they need to go. And actually, in in watching Wheeler yesterday, um, I thought I thought Price had a pretty big influence on him as well. Um, so I've been really really impressed with what he's gotten out of. Um, out of this out of this starting rotation so far, you saw with Arietta in his theoretical start on on Monday night, and you saw it with Nola, you saw it with Nola yesterday. Um, you know, just 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 really really dominant stuff, and I guess we'll get into it. But I, I just I didn't hate I didn't hate the idea of pulling there. You know? I didn't either. I, honestly, Look, they I, didn't play for a week, man. Yeah. Like they didn't play for a week, and like you mentioned before, he got through the six, but like Nola has been kind of petering out fifth six around that range where he's gotten into that sort of pitch range and getting through the lineup another time like and look let's be real like we're all just looking at Girardi in a, a microscope in Philly and we have a tendency to really only focus on the Phillies and not everything else but like if you look around Major League Baseball there have been a lot of injuries like a lot especially to pitchers and it's the type of thing where I agree with the idea that Aaron Nola's health is more important than one extra inning. Now, if you want to complain about it, here's what I would say. And let's just get into the whole decision-making process because I think that's important with the whole thing. If you want to say that you should have let Nola come out, face Stanton, and you know see what he's got for that extra inning, I'm fine with that. And if you don't, I, I was fine with the idea to bring in Tommy Hunter. My only complaint with Girardi with the Tommy Hunter thing was – I would have taken him out after three batters. I thought it was very clear he had nothing. Like, sometimes you just know. Sometimes you can just see it. And somehow he faced five batters, and it cost them runs. And if they had brought in Adam Morgan sooner, who knows? I know lefty-righty thing or whatever, but we're bringing Alvarez. But bringing a better pitcher, I, I, I didn't hate. I think that Girardi is right to almost have to trust a guy like Tommy Hunter in that spot, especially as we know, and we'll get to the nearest thing in a sec, but... I have no problem with if Hector Neris warmed up and even if he only threw one pitch, I get not using him in that second game. Like we talked about, he wouldn't be there today. But my issue with Girardi with that Hunter thing was that it was clear. Tommy Hunter didn't happen. He has to face three batters, but I would not have let those – like maybe they they probably still would have given up at least a run. Like who knows? But I just felt like Hunter had nothing there and – that's what bothered me about that decision-making process, not putting Tommy Hunter in the first place. Yeah, and and I think that's fair. Uh, but at the same time, if I remember correctly, there was a righty up, um, and Adam Morgan traditionally hasn't been great against. I, I would have gone Alvarez. I would have gone. I feel like I just trust Alvarez to get out. If righties, lefties, whatever. Like I think you and I agree. I, I, we've said it before. I, I don't think there's any question. At least in the minds of the IOS podcast that Hector Neris and Jose Alvarez are, and then it's like a, 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 a gap. Like it's Hector Neris, it's Jose Alvarez, and then there is a gap between those guys and the next best pitcher, which is probably Adam Morgan. Like I would have just gone with my best guy there if I can't use Neris. Like, I don't know. I, and regardless, I'm not going to kill him for the Hunter move, but I didn't you feel, was it, am I crazy to say that, that, after those first three batters, really after two, but after those first three batters, you knew Tommy Hunter wasn't getting outs. 
<laughs> I mean, I could have said uh, after his jog in from the bullpen. I mean, isn't he like the modern day Todd Coffey? I mean, he's just. I know, dude. It's, it's, it is, he's so uncompelling as a, as a, a quote unquote athlete. Like, it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I try to make the argument that pitchers are he's athletes. He's like a sad version of David Wells. And David Wells got pretty sad at times. So. I mean, the fact that, that, that Tommy Hunter's like our. I mean, I'm I'm putting like, one of the I'm four putting, best. One of the four guys. Like again, like Jack. Are, are there are there any other guys on this team other than Hector Neris, Adam Morgan, Jose Alvarez, and Tommy Hunter have got a single big out for this team? Like no, like um, and even those guys' big outs is in quotes because the Phillies have not had a a true big out in in a while. But I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, I, I bite your tongue. Pavetta held the lead tonight, and you know that. <laughs> And I would just like you to please take back that last sentence and put Nick Pavetta ahead of Tommy Hunter I, I on your depth chart. I just going to wait and spring it on you, but I, I just want to let the listeners know that I have a – and we're not getting to it now. This is like a tease type of thing. Not that anyone's leaving anyway, but I have a very, very important Nick Pavetta question to ask Jack. We'll get to that later, which is one of the two most important things that we'll get to in this podcast because I put a poll out and – we have to settle something for the our guy, but we'll get to that. Let's get back to what we were talking about. So, yeah. as you we were saying, um, actually, I'm just so excited for the other stuff that I forgot. But I know, uh, I know, I know. I no, uh, no the, I just the, the Tommy Hunter, the decision there. Yeah, the, you know. So, so I'm cool with so with Nola. Honestly, like I actually would have considered pulling him after the the fifth. I thought he kind of started uh, leaking some oil there a little bit, um, and I thought the the velo was coming down a little bit. And honestly, I just I was getting terrified of sixth inning Nola. Um, so if I'm using the percentages there, I'll take my shots um, and and just try to hope to to get some outs from the bullpen. Hunter is fine that in in that regard. Um, but then once you kind of see he's 91 uh versus 94 he was in his last outing and especially since Girardi knows that they've been off for a week and they hadn't really been able to get off a mound and um like even even Pavetta tonight was like 93 a couple of times and it just seems like a lot of their velocities are down it was nice to see Nolos up to 95 last night um but it, it does seem like their velocities are down a little bit but yeah I, I, you know bringing in Tommy Hunter isn't the worst thing in the world it's just that you know, the weird part about him is that he's actually better against lefties and righties. And it, it seemed like Girardi kind of threw that all out the window and just said, no, you're a righty. You should be able to get righties out, even though <laughs> even though uh, a cutter. That's not what he does as well. Yeah. Right. Well, even a cutter to righties, like if it keeps falling away, like they can just poke it into right field for a single and just kind of. Uh, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. But, I mean, that didn't happen. They just squared him up for five straight batters um but yeah I, I was fine with it and and honestly like and this goes back to my thing about gabe i didn't really hate a lot of the decisions that gabe made you know i think on paper a lot of them made sense um and that's how i feel about girardi you know and, and hector naris you know i i brought up an interesting point today um he because i was like it was the right decision to, to not um, pitch Naris in game two, and obviously it worked out tonight that they were able to use him. But like, if, if he if he warmed up and then they and he doesn't have to go in the game, would he have used him in game two? You know, like I think he I think he would. It's a fascinating question, actually. It's a yeah, really it's a, it's a good question. 
because he only did th- obviously we know he only threw one pitch and the argument is well he didn't really throw one pitch because he was in the bullpen um pitching before that but if he doesn't get in he still threw those pitches in the bullpen are you still yeah, using it totally. in game two? and well and especially with neris we've had like this was it the, remember that the neris warming up thing like this is not the first time that that neris warming up vigorously or whatever has meant that he couldn't pitch when we hoped he would remember. So maybe like the, I don't know, maybe there's some Hector Neris. Maybe he, he like all guys are different. All these arms, their, their habits, their routines. Maybe Neris well, is one of those guys where if he warms up, you know, it's kind of like he's, he's shot after that. Well, and, and the one thing is, is that a lot of people had been saying that they want, um, defined roles and they want to be told what's going to happen and they want to have a, a plan heading into the game and you know uh Girardi in the in the pregame show on the, the manager show on on WIP he said you know I'm I'm only going to use these guys once I'm not pitching them in both ends of the double header I'm only using them in one of the games so maybe he told Hector before the game I'm only using you here and it kind of uh gets into his mindset and says like I he only needs me here and you know we we talked a lot about that kind of mindset with Gabe where it was like, you know, um, he would get a big out or a reliever would come in and get a big out and then he put him right back out there and it wouldn't go as well. Um, maybe it was just kind of a mindset thing, you know, getting into his head that we're only using you for one game and, uh, you know, kind of take the rest of the day off. So, you know, maybe he just wanted to stay consistent with his guy and not kind of surprise him. So, I, you know, it, the thing that sucks is that it's 60 games and if it's 162, this is not a big deal at all. You know, you don't want to burn pitchers, totally. but totally. The, the one, the one, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a criticism because I think it's smart, but the one criticism you could have of Girardi is that he's treating this 60 game season as it's a 162 and it's not, it's, it's 60 games. You're 100%. trying to, you're trying to fight for a playoff spot. You know, you, you pulled Arietta on Monday when he was finally starting to find his groove. And I understand he hadn't pitched in a year. And I understand that you're trying to keep these guys healthy. You know, last night he could have gone back out there for the seventh. Wheeler, the same thing that the, um, in, in game one. Um, and, you know, maybe he's being too protective of those guys in a 60-game season. And he's treating it too much like a 162. That's, a, that's definitely a, a pretty valid concern. But, again... You know, it's. N- I want the Phillies to make a playoff, to make the playoffs, and and do some things here. But it's not, th- it's not the end of the world. I already think of the season's a sham anyway. No, dude, Aunt Jack, you just hit on it. Like it is, it is so true. And look, if Girardi, like we, you know, there have been so many like discussions and and arguments about like player safety, especially in the the COVID world we're living in, and seven like. Joe Girardi's actually like putting these guys health first and, and, and getting criticized for it. Like that's, you know, when you just step back and look at it from that view, you know, kind of that, that thousand foot view and say like, he's saying, all right, I'm not risking injury. I'm not risking long-term stuff with these guys. Like, and, and kind of getting killed for it. It's a great point, especially in a season that is a sham of a season. It is what it is. Like I want the Phillies to win it just because it's baseball and I want it. But like, come on, man. They're making the schedule up as they go along. You know, there's been teams that have had to sit out for a week. We had 20% of the teams just postponed last weekend, not even counting the rain delays. Like, it's it's what it is. It's 50-something games for a fair amount of teams. Like, it's a joke. But, I, like, 
I'm with you, Jack. I, I think that's a really good point, and I don't... But at the same time, like, you also, in the moment, want to compete, want to win, and and you want to see a sense of urgency from the team that feels like we understand that each of these games is amplified and means much more, and we need to treat them as such. So it's a really weird balance, especially as a fan, to, to kind of weigh. You know, it's really... I, I've struggled with it myself, and I think that the uh, you know you've seen examples where it's like like whether it's Ramon Rosso in the first game three one whether it's Julius Guerra three one in those games where it's like spots where in a normal one sixty two you'd say all right like I understand that this is a game we're still in but like my guy needs work or this guy I need to know what I have in this guy or this or that and I'm gonna work and you have that leeway of saying all right I'm gonna learn what I have here and maybe I take the hit for it or. Maybe I'm going to give this game away a little bit because this guy I'm going to save and I can use him in a, in a more important game or whatever. That's tough. That's like classic baseball managing. But with this few games, that it is, it, it's a real paradox, Jack. It really is. Now, does that still count for Austin Davis or are we good there? Like, we don't have to learn yeah. <laughs> anything else about Austin Davis. We know he stinks. We know that he's a waste of time. We know it's a joke that he should gets... not be on a roster. I mean, man. how the he frick. He should not be on a roster. How do they it's let that guy wear number 54? Like, how do they let that guy wear Brad Lidge's number? How did they get let that guy put a uniform on? How, like... how do they give him a key card? How does he even get Dude. in the building? I mean, the stats, and Bob Wankel at Crossing Broad uh, tweeted them out, and I'll, I'll pull them up as we're talking, but, like, Austin Davis's stats over the, you know, 2019 to 2020 is abominable. Like, this guy should not be pitching. Here we go. Austin Davis, I mean, 2019 to 2020. 22 innings, 28 hits, 19 earned runs, a 7.77 ERA, and allowing a 9.88 OPS against, like, I mean, guys are hitting like Mike Trout. Jack Fritz might be able to do better than that. I don't, I'm probably, but like guys, no. guys are guys are legitimately they're like they're almost putting up Trout level yeah. numbers off every of every hitter is Austin Mike Davis. Trout against him. Yeah, like I mean, why is he's he a here? Disaster. Why like what what Garrett Clevenger, Connor Brogdon, like oh, like are like Seabold, like what are we doing? Like what what are these? guys here for like why do you even have them on the roster like why and i understand that you don't want to trust young guys or whatever like austin davis sucks like he's not a major league pitcher there is zero reason to have him on a roster he he shouldn't be on any roster much less the phillies well then there's there's no if 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 connor brogdon and damon jones and uh Maybe not Seabold, maybe not Clevenger. If, if, See, yeah, not Seabold, probably. Why not Clevenger though? Like, well, he's a I, better left. I mean, he's better than Austin Davis, he, right? Is he? He is. He he's better than Austin Davis. I understand if they maybe want to work on some control stuff with him. I don't know if you can trust putting him in a game just yet. Um, but like, if if, if Damon Jones and Connor Brogdon, especially Connor Brogdon, aren't up here by by Monday or whatever at the at the latest like it's it's a it's a disaster like he should be coming up here with spencer howard on sunday to make his first start or not make his first start but be in that bullpen because like and 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 what bothers me is like ramon rosso obviously didn't do well in his first game but like can we can we get him back out there i mean why not why is he him again literally why can't can't he get in an 11-3 ball game like why are we wasting our time with austin davis it's a great point ramon rosso should theoretically be one of your first guys out of the bullpen especially that's when you- well that's the spot the, you ramon rosso's major league debut should not have been in a tight three to one game in the opener of the season it should have been in an 11 three game where you ask him to come in and get a few outs for you and sit you know it like that's that's if you're gonna have an issue with girardi and i, I agree with you 
one issue is the long the ways coaching ma- managing longevity versus you know short season but in terms of the bullpen decisions it's those type of decisions and and I get it he doesn't know the the guys as well he's still figuring out what he has but I feel like I, we've seen already a couple times Austin, we just talked Austin Davis, Dioles Guerra in New York, and and that one Rosso, where it's just like it's the wrong guy in the wrong spot. Well, and I I certainly know that Trevor Kelly has no idea where the ball is going. Like, why is he even warming up tonight? Like, like I think we I think we know enough about about uh, Trevor Kelly. I don't know. I feel like I feel like us as Phillies fans know <laughs> what we're getting out of these bullpen pieces better than maybe the manager, which is kind of scary, but. Um. Yeah, you know, you trusted Ramon Rosso so much in Game One. I think it's ridiculous that you can't get him back out there again just to see what you have because he did look so good in in summer camp. All right. Um. Quickly, thoughts on Eflin, and then we got to talk about the lineup, the offense. A lot to get to. Quickly, your thoughts on on Eflin, just to to kind of get done with the starting pitch. Yeah, man, I love Eflin. I really do. I really like Zach Eflin a lot. Um. I. I he threw a pitch tonight to Stanton. He threw a two-seamer to strike him out. And I, I swear I've never seen a Zach Eflin two-seamer move that much. You know, it, it literally it, it broke all the way across the plate, you know. And I always thought that the Zach Eflin two-seamer was a nice pitch, but it didn't really, you know, break enough for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I just really like watching Zach Eflin pitch. And, you know, for that performance uh, after he had been hurt, uh, well, not hurt. I guess he had a little back problem and hadn't really pitched in a little bit. But for him to come out and do that against that Yankees team, I thought it was really impressive. And, you know, uh, I, it just seems like he has such a good feel for at least three of his pitches. Like, I think he has a good feel. I, I still think his curveball is kind of kind of um, not great. You know, it kind of spins sometimes. It doesn't exactly have depth to it. But it's a pretty good get-me-over pitch. I think the two seamer works, two seam sinker pitch works, um, and then I really like the change up. Um, so the slider, uh, the slider is a good pitch. The slider and curveball can are both fine. I think they're fine pitches, but he has a really, really good ability to get to the outside corner against against right handed hitters that you don't see a lot. Um, you know, I think he's just a good four or five option. You know, I think he's a. He could be better than a four or five, but I think as a four or five, I feel really good about Zach Eflin. I feel like I'm gonna get a consistent performance. The one thing you have to worry about is, you know, it seems like he gets hurt a good amount, or it seems like he gets tired. You know, it always seems like there's a, a little something off with him, to where you can't fully trust him. But when he's out there, you know, what I saw tonight was was just really consistent, good stuff. Like I feel like Zach Eflin can go out there and give me six innings, less than three runs two out of three starts and I'll take that from Zach Eflin. So um, I think he tunnels really well. I've always thought he tunneled really well. And I thought tonight was just another example of that. Just dotting the outside corner with three pitches that he can go to whenever he wants. So really, really impressed with Zach Eflin. And um, I just hope he can stay healthy because I think he can really help this team. All right. Let's segue to the lineup. Do you want to start with the bad or the good? It's your choice. Uh, Always start with the bad. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, so I'm going to give you uh, a threesome, and I want you to rank for me how concerned you are about them offensively, obviously speaking. Reese Hoskins, Andrew McCutcheon, Scott Kingery. Oh, you didn't even add, you didn't even add Gene Segura in there. 
<laughs> oh man, shows shows how sad yeah. I am. With, is Alec Bohm ready yet, yeah. or what's happening there? Um, yeah. So Kutch, not worried. I know a lot of people are worried. I'm not. You know, I think he's such a professional. I think he'll figure it out. I thought we saw some it's signs. Ti- it's a timing thing and yeah, all that. You know, just kind of get. Yeah. I thought we saw signs of life tonight, um, and I think he just has to trust his knee. You know, people have saying he, he he doesn't look exactly fluid out there, but I thought the the double he looked like he was moving pretty well, so maybe that kind of much like Arietta kind of gets him going a little bit. And I just think that I think I think things will come around for Andrew McCutcheon. I think in 162 we'd feel fine about him. Um, so not worried yet on Andrew McCutcheon. I actually thought he smoked a couple of balls the other night, which was good to see, just right at guys. So um, I'm not worried about Andrew McCutcheon. I think he'll be fine uh hoskins just looks like he's just caught in between everything you know in in fastball counts he's not catching up you know he hasn't really squared up a fastball um and it looks like when his foot's like when he's getting his foot down a fastball's already by him pretty much because he's almost like sitting on off-speed pitches um now it's it's nice that he's walking a lot and that helps and whatnot but like i don't know how much longer i can take the the fastball down the middle that he's just laid on or can't make consistent hard contact on um so yeah i i'm worried about reese just because i i just think it's all timing with him and i just think he's in between right now he doesn't really know what if he wants to unload on a ball or maybe that's not right where he needs it and he can try to work a walk i think he's gotten a little bit too obsessed with trying to work a walk so um i i'm frustrated i'm at like a a panic meter of like seven on Reese. Um, and, and the walks are great, but he's just got to start driving the baseball. Um, you know, it, hopefully they can get him back to the four spot. If he can do that and the lineup just makes more sense. But for the time being, like I'm just leaving him in the two and hopefully he gets on base for, for Bryce and JT, like at work tonight. Um, and Kingery again, he just looks lost. You know, he, he's got to get, he's got to get back to just trying to, get some hits rather than trying to launch everything. He looks lost and, and it sucks because I, I want Kingery to be great. I really do. I want, I want Scott Kingery to be awesome, but he's just brutal at the plate, like straight up brutal. Just, I don't have, I have zilch confidence in, in him right now. I still think Kutch will come through. I still think Reese can work, work a good at bat. I, I just, I think Kingery is going to get to a one, two count and strike out or make weak contact. So um, yeah, I, I am at like an eight or nine on Scott. It's it's not a great place to be at. I hope he can figure it out. But uh, you know, this whole idea that he's going to be this unbelievable play at sec, play, uh, unbelievable hitter because he's locked in at second base clearly isn't the case, and no. it's it's very very worrisome. Um, and I don't know how much longer you can keep playing him in a sixty game season. Yeah, and I think. That can be the case for for a few people, especially when we'll get to it. Um, there are some guys who are not playing as much who are absolutely producing more. Um, but I agree with you. I, I'm I'm just as worried. Look, Reese is clearly a much better uh, at bat right now than than Kingery is. But at least with Kingery, like you can potentially say, all right, he's still working his way back from, from the COVID thing and, you know, kind of got a late start with things and maybe he's just not back to where he needs to be physically yet. I mean, at least I can paint that world. Hoskins just looks broken, man. And, and it's not just these games, obviously it's the entire half of, of second half of last season where he was among 
the worst everyday players in the entire sport. And I agree that the ability to work walk, the, the ability to, you know, he does clearly have great awareness of the strike zone and the ability to recognize pitches and thus lay up and stuff. But man, it feels like he should be the ninth hitter right now. Like turn the lineup over. I'll get on base for you. Like I, I just, I have zero faith in him to do anything. I want him to walk. He's the kid in little league where you're like walks as good as a hit. Don't swing the bat. Cause I have no faith in him to, to do anything with the bat. And that's almost scarier than Kingery in a way, at least considering what we saw the second half of last season. Joe Giglio had a great tweet that I have, I've thought the exact same things multiple times a season. It almost feels like he doesn't even want to swing the bat. Like it almost feels like he goes up there hoping for a walk. And I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm legitimate. I came into the season concerned and, and I've seen nothing to assuage those concerns. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it's just, I just I just don't I can't believe it's hard to bad. understand. It's like how is it? How, he hit his entire minor league career. He hit for the first year plus. He's in the majors. Like I don't get it. It makes no sense. Well, it's what, crazy. I mean, we did see it happen with Markel Fultz. I mean, he maybe maybe you just lose. Well, look, it. I think a better example is Dom Brown, and Dom Brown didn't have as much major league success, but Dom Brown, someone who was one of the top prospects in baseball, hit it in the minor leagues, came up. You know, had that that magical month plus, you know, that season, and then just lost it. And whether it was a, a hole in his swing or whatever they were able to key in on, or he couldn't hit a certain pitch or whatever, I don't know the specifics of Tom Brown, but like I think that's a better type of example. But man, yeah, well, at least. But here's the thing, though, it's nerve wracking. But here, point. here's the thing: I'm, is that Dom nervous. Brown, but Dom Brown didn't have the eye that Reese has, and I agree. What, what I. Agree. I what I come back to is he's not making hard contact on pitches in the zone, but at least he still is seeing the ball well out of out of the hand. Mm-hmm. And it really just comes back to getting his timing back. And and maybe he gets back to thinking right center field versus pull pull pull. Uh, I actually Please. thought I actually Please. thought uh, in game two yesterday he hit a ball to right field that was actually semi squared up, and I was like, "That's what you need, man." Yeah, he just he had has sing- to- it was like a single to right field, and it was like, "Oh, that was cool." He needs to he needs to get back to thinking that way. So, the the thing with Reese for me is that he can still be uh, he's still working a good a good at bat. He is still walking, and he still knows what a good pitch is. He just has to start capitalizing on it. Um, I'm actually, I'm more worried about Kingery because he he has never shown the same a level of eye that Reese That's does. Um, he doesn't have the same level of eye. So yeah, it's it sucks. And I think you know the the Phillies right now are batting like the two stats that I think are killing them offensively, and not, they're not updated right now um, after the game. But you know, two hundred eight with runners in scoring position. I'm assuming. Yeah, and two hundred eight with runners in scoring position, and and yeah. and Reese and McCutcheon, like their OPS combined is like yeah. four hundred something, like four fifty. So um, you know, just getting no production from from one and two in their lineup, um, it, it sucks. But yeah, it's not great. And then Segura, I know you didn't bring him up, but no, I was going to ask you any quick thoughts on him before we get to the game. Well, like like like, dude. Just be Gene Segura, man. Hit, you know, hit 300, go the other way, try to get singles, at least try to help this team. I just feel like I feel like instead of thinking right center field gap, he's strictly thinking left field bleachers. 
And it, he's kind of doing the Kingery thing where it's, let me just try to launch everything. And believe me, I understand the, I understand launch angle and I understand wanting to launch, but some guys, that is not them. And that is not James Segura. And I don't think it's Kingery yet. I think he could possibly get there, but until he gets back to knowing how to bear off a baseball again, I don't think it should be him either. So, um, yeah, if, if Segura could just get back to being a right center field and thinking opposite way and Hey, Maybe take a freaking page out of DJ LeMahieu and see what he did and be that yeah, for us. Yeah, seriously, like seriously. He, that's Segura's the kind of guy that, he used to be. Segura's that kind of hitter. I mean, totally. the track record shows. So do that. Just be, be DJ LeMahieu. Do be that. DJ, seriously. No, I <laughs> – yes, I couldn't agree more. All right, let's get to the good. And you mentioned a couple guys before, but that's not where we're starting because we need to start with – the hottest hitter on the planet. It's not Aaron Judge. Screw that. It's friend of the podcast. I think the only two-time guest maybe we've ever had. Well, besides Franzen. True, yes. And and I think Franzke might have been on twice. But regardless, shout out to Phil Goslin. Uh, seriously, though, like real quick, before we get to, to the most important question I will ask you, in this entire podcast. Why is he not playing every day? Why is Girardi pinch hitting for him for a righty-lefty matchup? Like, Phil Gosselin needs to play every day. Like, ride this out, man. Baseball's a game of if guys are seeing the ball like it's a beach ball every time they step up, like, put him in the freaking lineup. Like, if you want to criticize Girardi, we've been a lot of bullpen stuff. Like, criticize him for not putting Gosselin in there more. Yeah, I, I criticize him for not putting Gosselin in more, and I can definitely criticize him for not just playing Hazley, uh, which well, that too. drives that me too. crazy. Quinn, Quinn had a good night tonight, but, I mean, Hazley's batting 600, for Christ's sake. Yeah, can we just maybe ride it out until 600. he's— 600! Yeah. Um, I, I just—the the one thing I'll say about Phil Gosselin is that he might be a, a bigger baseball uh, legend from Westchester than me. I think I might be ready to relinquish <laughs> that, that title. That's good of you to— but that is very big of you. Yes. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to me. Uh, I was pat myself <laughs> on the back. <laughs> somehow, somehow it came back to that. Um, but yeah, no, and it's just like it's not. It's not even like it's it's bad luck. <laughs> it's like sometimes when a guy's is hot, it's bad luck. But the, like Phil Gosselin's squaring up everything he's hitting, and I, I just I I want to know when comes the conversation about building the team around him. You know, is the is the future of the Phillies uh, Bryce JT and Phil Goslin? Um, and I think we're approaching that level. And I think it's ridiculous when he's not in the lineup. And I understand that he has traditionally not hit right-handed hitting. But can we figure that out first? You know, just like just like Adam Absolutely. Hayes, give uh, him a chance to do it. Yeah, I mean, just figure it out. And and, and like with Adam Hazley, it's like yeah. Uh, maybe he hasn't traditionally been good against lefties, but like, what are we doing here? I mean, he's 24 years I, I old. I feel a hell of a lot more confident with those two guys every time they step to the plate than a lot of the people who are in the lineup every day. Like, frankly, I you mean, know? Phil Gosselin, Phil Gosselin is straight up turning into a – he's turning into a folk hero. I mean, guys from here, Philly's fan, uh, is on the correct side of the Wentz-Foles debate, and he straight up breaks – and he's the perfect combination of from here, rakes, and doesn't play that often. And, and great story. And great story. Like, and from Westchester. This is the first time in six years he's been on the same team two years in a row. Like, this dude has bounced around, and he's 
playing for the team he rooted for growing up, and he's, like, finally crushing it. Like, it's an awesome story. Like, everyone should love this dude's story, but, like, all jokes aside, like, I'm dead serious. He needs to be in line every day. He is... This is crazy. This is not an offense that has been a juggernaut so far. Like, they had that, you know, 11-run explosion, which was nice, but, like, they've not been consistent. They've had big innings. They've not been able to consistently get hits when they need it, and all Phil Gosselin has done is get hits when they need it. Uh, it's crazy to me. But, Jack, th- this is secondary. I put up a poll on Twitter because it seems like he's so great that he already has two nicknames. I hear a lot of goose. I hear a lot of barrels. So I put out a poll. It says, what is the better nickname for Phil Goslin? Barrels or goose? 65% of respondents say goose. Jack, before I reveal what the definitive answer is, let's find out if you agree with what I'm about to reveal what is the best nickname for Phil Gosselin? So my 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 heart says goose, my head says barrels, and the reason why I say that it should be barrels is because, like, I grew up with two gooses who were also friends of Phil Gosselin's, and Phil Gosselin from Westchester. Again, I know Phil Goslin has never been nicknamed Goose. My, my friends are nicknamed Goose. He is not Goose. So I already have friends nicknamed Goose. So I don't think Phil Goslin is, is personally my Goose. So I will call him Barrels. Jack, thank you. This is uh, the, the happiest, most proudest moment that I, that I get to do the IELTS podcast with you because it is barrels. I, to your point, it's so funny you said that because one of the things I was going to say is I have three friends whose nickname is Goose. One of them's a super close friend. Shout out to Pat. Pat's not listening. But I know Goose is like barrels is badass. Barrels is special. And the fact that his teammates gave him that name is that much more badass like barrels is 10,000 times a better nickname than goose for Phil Gosselin I've never felt more confident in a Philly's opinion that I have had in my lifetime Jack than the fact that barrels has to be his nickname and you could say it was his teammates, but I'm giving full credit to Gabe Kapler because I'm pretty sure Gabe <laughs> Kapler really came up with that nickname. And I feel I like I believe it. I mean, that's something Gabe would say. Well, he's already he's already calling Donovan Solano barrels, so it seems like he throws it around very <laughs> easily. But once again, like I think this is more of a that's cons- amazing. Yeah, I, well, I think it's more of a uh, more evidence of trying to to erase the Gabe Kapler era from our minds, and I'm not gonna let Barrels be the next victim of this. Um, well, well, hold up. The funniest thing is, is no joke. It will not be erased because every single thing you tweet, I'm talking about the royal you, me, you, whatever. That is, I didn't like that bullpen decision, or, or that didn't work out. Is Gabe Kapler would have been killed for it. Can you believe if that was Gabe Kapler? Imagine if that was Gabe. So no one is forgetting. Like, Good. people are reminding 
everybody about it. So I hope everyone remembers. Worry. I hope everyone remembers that it's not the manager. I mean, I, I I don't have to do the rant again. But have we have we all realized that after the last week? Oh man! All right. Um, I'm really happy we decided this. Shout out to friend of the show, Barrels Goslin, who we will have to get back on again soon because he keeps crushing it. Just play him. Uh, selfish, just play him selfishly, yeah. I hope he does keep crushing it because I would love to keep talking to Phil because I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. And me too. Uh, so, so honestly, like though, you, you bring up starting him, but it's tough because it, it's tough because no, I, do look, you, I like, well, Because well, Kingery, you, you kind of just hope figures it out. And you like, what do you do? You, do you just, I, dude, I need to win games. I would put Segura at second. I would start Goslin at third or, you know what? I, I would DH Goslin. Like I trust, I mean, look, Jay Bruce is, is good against right-handed pitching. I get it. But man, like, I just don't know how we know baseball is a game of, of, of streaks and, and being locked in and, Phil Gosselin's just locked in, man. It just feels silly to not have him in the lineup. So, I don't know. I understand that it's not an easy fix, especially with, you know, young guys you want to believe in and all that. But, man, I don't know how much more, again, to the point of these games matter. (laughs) Like, there's no intensity being shown. Like, I don't know. I don't know. So, let's, uh, let's talk about some more good. Um... JT Romita, little contract push. I mentioned before a uh, a Ryan Spader stat, Asa Spader. Uh, he tweeted out tonight: JT Romita is batting three oh three with a three fifty eight OBP and a six thirty slugging percentage, with thirty nine runs, sixteen doubles, two triples, sixteen homers, and forty five OBI RBI over his last fifty four games played. That's pretty damn impressive, Jack. Like, that's – and, again, it's only 54 games. It's a third of a normal season. But that's high-level catcher-type stuff right there. Uh, and, obviously, the the throw uh, – Brett Gardner – I can't believe he threw a Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner had such a gigantic jump. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, JT – and, look, Bryce has been really good, too. Like, the average – obviously, it's been, like, you know, hit or miss a little bit. But, I mean, he's got, like, a 998 OPS or something like that. Um, just shout-out to – to really, I mean, it just shows. Sign JT. I mean, these two guys are the future. There's no question. Yeah, and, and JT is the kind of guy that you keep around forever. Um, and, yeah, Bryce – uh, highest exit velo in baseball, which is good to see. You know, I tweeted I tweeted that out the other day, and of course people were like, Ooh, "Well, why isn't it translating into hits, man?" It's like, well, that's the hope that if you keep hitting the ball hard, it will. <laughs> so let's learn a little bit. You know, this is not a pointless stat, whatever. Um, but yeah, and it's really and, not. No, it is really not. And uh, and you know, obviously, what you just said about JT is all right. You know, the stats are there. You know, for a catcher, his his offensive numbers are ridiculous. And honestly, like, why the, why are you ever running on JT Romito? Like, I just, first off, steals are already going away from baseball. Like, what is making teams be like, you know what? Let's try it. I I don't understand how his, how his, his uh, throw out rate is only like 54%. It has, I'm pretty it feels sure. like I can't, re- yeah, it feels yeah. like he gets everybody. It's 80% yeah. in my opinion. And I, I think that the stats are wrong. Um, but, you know, Wheeler. Wheeler after the game yesterday said, 
that part of the reason he signed here was JT Realmuto. And if you have Zach Wheeler signing here, and I know they still paid him the money and whatnot, you have Bryce Harper, who has openly said he's his favorite player in baseball. And I think part of the reason he signed here was because of JT, and you just let that guy walk. It's just... <laughs> It's it's great. It's, it's asinine. I mean, yeah. it's asinine. Yeah, and I just don't think they're gonna let it happen. Like to JT Romito is significantly more valuable to the Philadelphia Phillies for a multitude of reasons than he is to any other team in baseball. Period. End of story. That's it. And I do. I just. I love the people that are that are outside the stadium. You know, the shout out to the pandemic crew. It's amazing. Um. And you the know, fact that Aaron Boone can play like all that stuff is just amazing. Like, oh, awesome. Boone is Boone is such a softy. Like, what a he is. I mean, I like him. He just seems like such a phony. Like, just just manage, man. Like, get in there and manage. It, it just seems like a lot of extra phoniness to to Aaron Boone complaining about the air. Our horns. Guys like, are savages, Jack. They're savages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, you know, just just play baseball. It, they're just fans outside the stadium. You'll be okay. There's no fans in the stadium anyway. You go to Oakland, they do that all game long. It's not that close to where it's, you know, really affecting the game. Like, why don't yeah, you make your guys play it. better, you know, yes. rather than, than worrying Concur. about the fans outside the stadium. Like, let, let's not be such a baby Aaron Boone. Like, the, you, you don't act like a little Mickey Mouse manager. This is the big leagues. You've been around the big leagues for a long time. You've been around Philadelphia for a long time. Your dad's Bob Boone. You know how great the fans are here. You know that they're gonna show up and they're gonna try to annoy you. Listen, like I, first off, if that was at Yankee Stadium, you would be saying how great they were. And it's the fact that it happened in our ballpark shows how much of a baby you are. And the fact that you come out and you have to complain to the umpires about it. What are the umpires gonna do? Walk out of the stadium and go up there and tell them to be quiet? <laughs> how about no? Like, it, there's not forty-five thousand people at a ballpark. There is. 10 people outside of a stadium with an air horn if your guys can't focus out of that then they shouldn't be in the big leagues like if you if you can't focus enough to play baseball because of a freaking air horn outside the stadium then you should not have like your guys just are not major league caliber players and you know for aaron boone to cry about that is is one of the most single embarrassing moments a manager could ever have it is phony it is ridiculous and he sh- like no man like that's something that I would expect from like a nationals manager or or like a a raise manager, but not someone who is the manager of the New York Yankees to complain about. Because if that was Yankees fans outside the stadium, he is not complaining about it. He is opening his press conference, being like, "Oh, good golly, gosh, I just love the Yankees fans and their passion." But the fact that it happened here in in this in a place that he used to call home, and uh, you know that it was the the fans of his favorite football team that were outside the stadium trying to mess with his team's mojo and for him to come out there and and complain to the freaking umpires about that is bush league it is bush league it is something that an amateur hour manager would do strictly freaking amateur hour grow up there's no savages in the box there's only savages outside the stadium wow that was strong work, Jack. I I don't I don't really have anything else to say. That was uh that was awesome. I, I do have uh, a couple last things I wanted to get. Did you have anything in your in your in your you know uh, take bag at the end here? 
Um, I do. I just, I, I, uh, am I ending it or are you ending it? With no, no, no. Well, all right. So I have a, I have a few final things uh, here. Let me, let me throw something at you and then you do your, you know, take bag and then I'll give one final take. Um, I mentioned before, I had a really important question to ask you about Nick Pavetta. And I've thought a lot about your relationship with and to Nick Pavetta. Tread lightly. And the, the, the way you tweet, what you say, and I think I've come to the conclusion, and I will remind you that you've never lied to the High Hopes listeners, so you cannot lie now. Jack, would you prefer that Nick Pavetta just never comes into any game so you don't have to deal with it? Yes. I knew, I knew it. I get to, like, every time he comes in, it's like, this is my nightmare. I'm tired. Like, it feels like the, the anxiety level that Nick Pavetta caused you and the reaction that you have to take for it it's just not worth it i just want to move on you know i i hope he's great i hope i hope he i hope he is great here i really do i just i i can't take it 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 just ruins (laughs) it ruins like i have to watch every pavetta pitch with like how can i spin this into everything's fine and and yeah it's pot committed as they say is the problem here yeah, I was talking to Ike, you know, and like he's hitched his wagon to Carson Wentz, and I was like, "Yeah, it must be nice, man." I hitched mine to Nick Pavetta. I, I know. Oh my god, I would so much rather be hitched to Wentz. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, but here's the thing: like, I love him. Like, I just can't quit him. I just love him. I, 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 I he's throwing his, he was throwing his breaking ball hard tonight. Um, well, that first like, inning, he cruised like he yeah, was great ever, that first inning. Well, all the Help all I lead. saw. All I saw on the second inning was holding the lead. So, um, and he he did his job. But yes, no, you're you're 100 percent right. It's just so. it's just like so it's just happy. like oh my god, like I gotta deal with it tonight. <laughs> and it's like it's like it's like automatic too. It's like the second he comes in, it's like here's a thousand tweets about hey, you watching the game? Nick's coming in. Like thanks, man. I'm well aware that 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 Nicky Poo's coming in. So um, yeah, I mean I love him. I'll never quit him. But if he never pitched again for the Phillies, <laughs> it would just it would just do a lot for me, you know. And I, I just get make your life a lot easier. I mean, I just get roasted by everyone from <laughs> from Twitter to like everyone at the Phillies radio booth. You know, they're always just crushing. It's just like, you know, has has I feel like no one's ever believed in a talented player in their lives before me, and then I come along <laughs> and everyone just decides to pile on. Whatever, it's okay. Tough times last. Tough or tough times don't last. Tough people do, and um, and Pavetta, you know, again, again, held the lead tonight. <laughs> I'm very happy I asked that question. All right, what do you got in your take back? Um, uh, not much. You know, I think I think it's ridiculous that Hazley's not playing. Um, I mean, like Roman Quinn's uh, fine, but I think that when you have a guy who's as hot as Hazley's been and you know, you, you would hope that Hazley can develop into your everyday center fielder. You know, you have to find out if he can hit lefties sometime. I'd rather find out now than 
when you're trying to legitimately win a World Series. But yeah, again, you know, his hands are lower, which is great. Um, it seems like it's kind of he's looked. He's just looked comfortable too, hasn't he? Like he's had some really good at bats, like able to foul balls off when you know some tough pitches off. I've just been impressed with his approach. I agree. Um, Mick Abel has been added to the the top 100 prospects. So Phillies officially have four of them. Um, Spencer Howard apparently went down, which is ridiculous. I don't know why MLB Pipeline would drop Spencer Howard. He's fine. Do you think and, they just know that he's coming up on Sunday and they're just like, all right, well, we'll take him. We'll seems, just throw him down the line. Seems dumb, but I cannot wait to watch Spencer Howard on Sunday. He is coming up on Sunday, right? Like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it feels well, like I don't that. Think, I don't think they can officially say because if they officially, right. then the, right. then he can like sue them. Service time. Yep, <laughs> yeah. yep, yep. Because yep, yep, yep. But that'll be fun. Our next podcast that we're going to record is going to be on Sunday, so I cannot wait for that. Anyway, go on. Uh, I would just like to say that a little birdie has told me that Bryson Stott looks unbelievable up at Lehigh Valley, so uh, I hope that that continues. Um, I saw a lot of the cardboard cutouts tonight, and I would like to know how many High Hopes listeners have a cardboard cutout. If you have a cardboard cutout. Great question. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, just Seriously, let us know. at High Hope Spot on Twitter. Me too. Yes. I want to know it too. It's a great point. Or send us an email at thehighhopespot at gmail.com. Yes. Um, I actually I actually have a cardboard cutout, so uh, look oh, out for mine. Oh, look at you, buddy. My mom bought I, it for me. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I never thought of actually getting one for myself, but I half thought about getting Zoe's face there, so I get it. Yeah. Well, it's a little different than my mom buying a 26 year old me <laughs> yeah you're right cardboard cutout versus you different. buying your infant daughter you, the, you'd appreciate it a lot more than zoe would <laughs> that is true um <laughs> i am doing a reddit ama next thursday oh, buddy. with our friends over at philly's reddit um, shout out to otter hooligan yes as always and met suck um and seahawks joe so uh doing a doing a reddit ama if you have any questions i'll promise to answer them uh well not every question but um then some guy was already mad that i'm gonna bring up my high school career and i said well only if you ask about it um (laughs) and yeah there's uh high hops if you're not if you're not drinking high hops during a phillies game um, I think there's something wrong. Um, so get out to, to Four Fingers Brewing Company, pick up a growler of high hops, and enjoy some Phillies baseball. You know, maybe pick it up for Spencer Howard's first start. That's something I would probably do. Um, but that's just me. So there's there's fresh batches of high hops at Four Fingers Brewing Company, the official brewery of the High Hops podcast. Go out and out and attempt to talk Phillies with my dad. It won't go well, but it's always fun to try. Please, I can vouch the High Hops is a outstanding beer. It's a session beer. It's easy to drink. It's smooth, and it works. So get on out and get that. Um, I hate to do this to you, Jack. I think you saw this coming. Why are you? Why are you making? Why are you bringing so many negative things into my life? Ah, uh, my final thought of the night. I didn't hate the seven inning double headers. Oh, I didn't get hate out. it. Get I out. didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I get didn't out. hate it. And I went in. I went in expecting to hate it. I went in wanting to hate it. And you know what? At the end of the night, I was like, that was all right. No. See, this is this is this is just another. <laughs> this is another example of. 
people with kids that just want to go to bed yeah, and just want to yeah, ruin a tradition. I'm not lie. Yeah, yeah, of I'm not course. Lie. I know. That's what every everyone's the same BS. It's all you just want to go to bed. How about whatever happened to toughening out, toughening it out and, and sticking up for something? James, when was the last time you you, you stood for something? How about you st- how about you stand for no more seven inning double headers? I mean, it's so it's so Mickey Mouse. Yeah, let's just change. Let's just have every game be nine innings, and then every once in a while we'll just change it to seven. Are you freaking I kidding knew this me? Is gonna if someone if someone pitched a no hitter during a seven inning game, what would you say that that pitcher did that day? I would hate it. And right. I look correct, I, correct. It, I know you would. So I I I think that I'm particularly a fan of it for this unique weird season because like especially as a Phillies fan, like it is super beneficial for the Phillies, A, not having to dip into the bullpen as much potentially in those types of games, and B, just the fact they're going to have to play a lot of these games and saving innings does matter. So I think maybe I have a slight bias towards it for this season in particular as a Phillies fan, but I just didn't hate it the way I thought I would. That's kind of where I'm at. Well, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I, I was a part of a lot of seven inning doubleheaders, so I guess I just knew how it was gonna go. You know, I, I just anticipated being people being like, "Wow, that was better. It was faster." It's like, yeah, I know, because it's two, it's two innings shorter. Um, it's like, wow, yeah, four innings shorter. Yeah, yeah, it's correct. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I, I understand. Like, it just the game is just, but it's just fast. Like, it's just there and it's gone. You know, um, I, I, I kept the book for a lot of seven inning games. I get it. I just, I just don't think you can. I just hate the idea of, of a, every game's nine innings, and then we're just gonna change it to seven innings. Sometimes. I, look, I agree. It uh, just on the whole, it feels Mickey Mouse. I just, I expected to hate it because I hated the idea of it, and I didn't hate it. And and that, well, that's you know, I, I don't, I don't look. I don't expect. We're you gonna not have to a lot it. of, we're gonna have a lot of Phillies games coming up, Jack. Uh, you, the your boy Gilio tweeting out the Phillies now scheduled to play thirty three games in thirty days from August twenty fifth to September twenty third. Only one off day in that stretch, so. They've got a seven-game series against the Marlins in September. This okay. is going to be weird, man. Can we, can we get a weird. Early, early prediction on the Marlins series? The Phillies go two and five? Uh, dude, I mean, uh, the Marlins will probably be running away with the NL East by then. So Hey, they're playing yeah. They're playing over 800 ball heading into break, August. Break up the that. Marlins, man. Come on. It's unreal. Oh, man. All right. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday. Big series, Jack. I mean, they're they're playing Atlanta. Atlanta coming to town, especially here. You want to try and get those games. Two or three. Two or three. Perpetually two or three. Uh, tomorrow <laughs> night Tomorrow night is uh, Colorado versus Velasquez. Take the over. Great. Um, Great. Saturday, Arietta versus Soroka. Well, not Soroka. Um, no, it's a, to be. They haven't, they haven't announced this story yet. Honestly, Sunday, like, it's Freed versus, we think, Coward. Yeah. Well, poor Soroka. I mean, that just a brutal injury. Um, oh, it's it's a bummer. Like, and and you know, it's obviously like you don't want to say good for the Phillies, but like you also like, it's just like it sucks. Like, I'm I'm not happy about it. Like, he's so great. It sucks. Yeah, correct. So, uh, yeah, just a fun weekend. Uh, I'm looking forward f- forward to Freddie Freeman torching us and uh, Marcelo Zuna hitting one to the upper deck in left field. So. Um, if they can not let that happen, that would be great. At least, you know, spins out on that. No more Brian McCann. So, uh, love it. no yeah. more Brian McCann and no more Chipper Jones. So yeah. the two Phillies uh, killers are gone. 
Let, let's just say I hope that we don't have to talk about any of these games in hypothetical terms as if they didn't happen. And, uh, yes, happy happy Spencer Howard has, has finally arrived weekend. And we'll be there to talk to you after it happens. All right. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.